Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 66, Pit Stop, Tammy and the T-Rex Director's Cut. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode, this is a pretty special sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Field Museum Chicago, specifically Sue the T-Rex. Sue's actual gender is unknown. But the T-Rex is named for Sue Henderson, who discovered the dinosaur in 1990 during a commercial excavation trip north of Faith, South Dakota. Hendrickson spotted a few large vertebrae jutting out of of an eroded bluff and followed her hunch that there were more beneath the surface. Thank you, Sue the T-Rex, from the Field Museum, Chicago. Thank you, Sue. Uh, I wonder if Sue, I guess we'll find out, if Tammy knows Sue in Tammy and the T-Rex, or Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex, but we will get to that (laughs) after the break. Before we get there, though, we have to talk about some very important things, extracurricular activities. You know, if you listened, dear listener, to our last episode, we were saying that there was a long gap between when we recorded two episodes ago and the last episode. (laughs) Now we are back to a short gap. Uh, Very short gap. That last episode, The Fate of the Furious, and this episode. So there's not been a lot of time for things. But Joe, have you done anything of note since we last recorded the intro to Fate of the Furious just four days ago? No, I've been baking. I've been baking bread again. Have you been DMing with Wes's wife? No, I wasn't. I was making San Francisco sourdough, and I wanted to make it more sour, like more. Actually, I I don't want to hear you talk about San Francisco sourdough for specific reasons. One specific reason. Specifically San Francisco. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. It's okay. I'm actually not upset about it. I didn't realize what you were actually saying until I thought about it out of the context, but no, continue. Talk about your your sourdough (laughs) of a specific region. My Northern California Mm -hmm. sourdough. Your Bay Area sourdough. So I wanted to make it more sour, and I've been, like, working it doing that. And really, you just need to, like, proof the fuck out of, like, the starter and the other starter. It worked. So I, I made delicious sour sourdough, and I'm very happy with my methodology. I got it down, and that was pretty much all I did. Watch sports. What cool. have you been up to? Cool. Yeah, I watched a couple of football games. Nothing of note to report there. And then <laughs> last night I watched, I saw two movies in theaters. I saw Underwater. Cool. Do you know Underwater? The new no, like, what creature is this? feature. It's a Kristen Stewart underwater horror movie. Oh, I like Kristen Stewart. I'm a big fan. So. It's fun. It's not great. I think that last year's Crawl, that alligator movie, I don't know if you saw Crawl mm-hmm. yet, but Crawl's no, more I fun didn't. than this. This is like, okay. it's weird. It, like, it tries to be a, fun- a bunch of different things, and it's not bad, but it's just like, I kept waiting for it to commit to one thing, and it never did. Is the intentionality good? Like, are they trying to make a good movie, or is it one of these, like, shark No, I think they're trying they to make, s- I mean, they're trying to make a... Uh, a movie. They're trying to make a, yeah, they're trying to make an action movie. They're trying to make, like, okay. a, they're not trying to, you know reinvent the wheel here but they're trying to like they've created a drill to drill deeper in the ocean than they've ever drilled before in the first like five minutes shit breaks bad and i was just like i wonder if they're gonna like flash back and like no like it's just action kind of from the big be- from the very beginning i was like oh that's cool it's a tight 90 minutes which is nice but like it keeps sort of toying with different ideas and i think it's fun like i think that it's not something that anybody should go out and see in theaters Redbox or hbo or vod or whatever at some point netflix wherever it's going to wind up i would say check yeah. it out it's nothing great but i think it's a fun movie but if you haven't seen Crawl, see Crawl first because Crawl's cool. Okay. Plus, cool. Crawl has your girl uh, Kaya Scoladario in it too. So. Oh, I'm a big Kaya fan. I know you Effie. are. Dude, the UK skins, you, you definitely didn't see that in your TV shows, right? Correct. She's she's like the sister in that, and she slowly gets a better better role as the seasons go on. But the UK skins. Mwah. I also saw last night the uh, Best Picture nominee 
uh, Best Picture winner at the Golden Globes 1917, which is great. Really, really good. Yes. It's not, again, it's not like a wildly complex story. It's a very simple story, but like, it's basically, I mean, there's probably cheats here and there, but it's sort of two or three very long takes for the entire two-hour move that could That's just what I heard. really well done. Yeah, Rachel said she was really excited to see it because of she heard that it was like a couple, one long take, essentially. So I'm going to check it out in theaters. You think I should see it in a big theater? I would see it. Small? That's one. I think that's one. Well, because what's interesting about this weekend as we're recording this, this past weekend, they still might be out, but because the Oscar nominations just happened, a lot of the Best Picture nominees, like a lot of the we'll bigger movies are coming back to theaters or still going to... Mm-hmm. So if you go, if you like look at the listings for this weekend, like Joker is back and Knives Out is still there and Parasite is there and Jojo Rabbit sense. and like basically everything has like one or two showings. So if you want to go see one of the bigger movies, you can do that. I think 1917 of a lot of those movies is probably worth seeing on a bigger screen. I don't think it's, it's not one of those ones where I'm like, you have to see this immediately, but I think if you're like, I want to go see a movie I'm going theaters, to, you know, yeah. I always watch the Best Picture noms, so. 1917 is a good one to see especially it felt like, big and loud that's what it, fe- it felt like one that I should see probably and you say you have some kind of version of this but like we have XD at the Cinemark yep. theaters I was assuming I would see it. You see, what is yours, Dolby or something? Yeah, the AMC's added the Dolby, which is the better picture, better sound, and like the, the mm-hmm. nicer seats. That's where I saw this. Yeah, it's, it's good. Definitely see it like that, especially since this weekend, as this comes out, Doolittle is getting savaged reviews, at least. The the new Robert Downey Jr. Talks to Animals oh, movie. yeah. Apparently, the new Bad Boys is pretty good, which I will see. Uh, Everybody was super hype about it. Like, all my friends were, like, really excited for it, and I, yeah. I got very nervous because it's a January movie instead of a summer movie, and I was like, why are they burying it here? But, like, it's apparently pretty good. You know, I'm going to see it tomorrow night, so I'll talk about that next episode. But I was like, oh, huh. And then, you know, that's basically been it. So there's a lot of football this weekend, which, again, not going to talk about. And uh, a couple movies, and that's it. Because we have not, you know, it's not been a lot of time since last time we recorded. But that's just about it, I think. I might do some fun stuff this weekend. I don't know. I'm kind of been laying low. I like it, though. So we have a uh, Patreon page on the show, patreon.com slash forever. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman for supporting us over Thank there at the $5 guys. level above. Thank you. We have a small Patreon update. It's not like a spoiler. We'll, we'll get to that in the email segment. Um, cool. Not a new patron, but something else related, tangential. But Lap 6 is starting soon. So if you want Ooh. voting rights, head over there. Even a dollar a month gets you voting rights access to the Fast and Furious Minute document, all, everything you could possibly want, possibly need at patreon.com. Swag, our undying love and support, whatever. Amen. Patreon.com slash too fast too forever or just too fast too forever dot com. <laughs> Mailbag. This is this is what's crazy is that we. You said there's a lot. But I don't. I, we have how? so some of these we're not going to. They're kind of combo things, but no joke. Okay. Since we recorded three and a half days ago, twelve emails. Damn. Okay. So we're going to go through here. We're just going to see. I'm going to sort of pick and choose what. I'm not going to skip emails, but some of them don't need to be read. Some are going to be comboed. You'll see. But first okay, up. Cool. From Jenny McMullen. Also, if you want to write in, family at cageclub.me. Email us, rankings, your vending machine food, your whatever best you picture, yeah. your, your Oscar picks, whatever you want to send us. Oscar picks is a good one. Yeah, who do you think is going to win best picture? Joker, yeah. baby. Yep, it is. I'm sure it is, actually. Oh, boy. Okay, first email <laughs> from Jenny McMullen. Uh, subject line, Patreon. She says, hi, guys. Hi, Joey. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. I was able to successfully sign up as a patron, but had to send the link to my work computer and do it from on my lunch break. For some yeah, reason, goofy it just doesn't work on my phone. phone. Okay, well, I'm glad you figured it out, and thank you. That's like she did like all this extra effort, too. I, it's, 
it's very appreciated. Thank yeah. you, Jenny. She says, anyway, just wanted to say that I only want to support you guys on Patreon because you've provided me and many countless others with so many hours of listening enjoyment. And she puts in parentheses 37, which I think is Zack Attack, plus 14, mm. which is Channing, plus 29, Ooh. which is Gosling, plus 64 of this is 144 at least, she says, because a lot of those, I think, are longer Jeez. than an hour. So, yeah, we've done 144 episodes. You know, I would say we're well over 200 hours, I would, I would guess, if I had to pick. Yeah, because these, these get long, dude. And right. even our shorter other ones, they're they're rarely under thirty. I would say, you know, they're generally forty five to an hour fifteen, right? So Yeah, I think so. Lots Damn. of us. Too much Thank of us. Thank you, Jenny. Arguably. Too definitely too much. Too much, too fast, too forever. I'm not really interested, Jenny writes, in any of the benefits, including being a family member, but please keep up the good work for those that are. By the way, somewhere along the way, my podcast list had to be rebuilt, and now I have the latest episodes of Zach, Ryan, and Channing movies to listen to because I got unsubscribed to them. She says, the horror. Well, I'm glad you fixed that up. That's cool. She says, only three over the last six months, so there's the that's the plus side for me, and you're tapering off with them. But really looking forward to The Beach Bum, because I did watch it. Later, Jenny. Thank you for writing in, Jenny. And we love The Beach Bum. I was a big fan. It was like probably one of my favorite movies last year. I don't know that we're going to do more Zack Attack episodes. He had a couple things that have come out, but if you want to write in your he thoughts here, you know, even if we don't read it on air, we may be, depending, if you couch it in cars or something we could talk about them here very briefly so thank you jenny for writing in and thank you as always for listening and also now for supporting us over on patreon yeah i appreciate it thank you next email from jason dickinson he sent two emails joe i'm gonna read these two emails okay Okay, first up fast and furious 9 he says what questions would you like to see get answered in fast and furious 9 stay fast stay furious main question for me Mm -hmm. in fast and furious 9 where's cypher which i think we definitely will get we're cypher at string yeah we're cypher at string and i want to know if cypher is the main boss or if she's like still an underling and there's a higher up than her okay it could be that she's running shit which it very much looks like she is but I want to know if she's like the top tier or if there's somebody else above her. That's I think that's my main We're kind of running out of <laughs> runway here in terms yes. of like getting somebody higher up. I feel like you could probably introduce one more person in nine, maybe toward the end. But like, I don't think you can. I think everything needs to be set before 10. I think that everything needs to happen. I agree. Yep. And that 10 is just sort of the end game. Like, it's not like, like, think about like Thanos was sort of teased throughout. Infinity War was like them against Thanos and Thanos spoilers but people know Thanos kind of wins an Infinity War and then in Endgame it's them taking him on right so like yeah. I feel like you can't introduce Thanos in Endgame you can't introduce Thanos equivalent here in 10 but you mm-hmm. could still, I'm still okay with it if they introduce somebody here in 9 there's definitely going to be like an, uh, an ultimate boss or another bad guy and it has to come in here and yes. I want to know who that is mm-hmm. any other questions that I want to see answered uh, who is Noni's Denise I mean that's the biggest obviously question. Best, that's the best question. Is there anything else, though, that realistically could be answered? I feel like we're kind of going into it, like, you know, with, with high hopes and high expectations, too. I don't know if I really have anything that, like, I'm pondering about. Like, I'm just more excited for it, right? You know, I want character-building moments, and I think that that's, the way, that's what we talk about when we get to the minute. Even though not a lot happens in this minute, like, this is my favorite minute in a, lo- a long time because I'm able to yeah. observe new things. Like, I feel like I know... I, <laughs> I feel like I know Mia so much better than I ever have before because I actually looked around her bedroom. In a non-creepy way. I was like, oh, let's see what she's got under the dresser. Let's see what those photos are. Let's see what the Yeah, that was the coolest part about it. Yeah. That's the most interesting thing to me. I want to see more character development. I want to see more interactions, sort of jokey stuff, but also serious stuff, the family stuff, the speeches, the barbecues. I want to see all that kind of thing in 9. I don't really have questions as much as just I want to know these characters a little bit better. I think I have more questions about Hobbs and Shaw because it feels like almost a new series to me. 
right? Yeah. Like, it feels like a totally new world. So that's where, like, you know, in our Hobbs and Shaw episodes, we're like, who's the voice? And, like, all of these things that we want to see answered. Nine, I'm kind of just along for the ride, man. We will see, because it's only uh, four months away. Four months and a week from today, or Damn. four months in the day, I think, or so, from uh, from when this comes out. So very, very soon, roughly speaking. Yeah, that's not too far away, honestly. Then Jason also sends... As I was sleeping last night, I figured out how Fast and Furious 6, 7, and Fate are connected in the second trailer for The Fate of the Furious, revealed that Dom and Cypher's path had crossed before. So yes, Cypher's the one who's all who all along was behind the events of both Fast and Furious 6 and 7. Yeah. I actually don't know. I honestly don't know if I've seen the trailers for these movies, because I don't watch trailers, and I haven't really gone back to watch them. No, neither that have I. That could be interesting. Yeah, we might have to do that next lap or something, right? For sure, when we go deep on these in some way, watch trailers, watch everything we can find about these. I think that goes back to what you were saying in, the fir- like the, in his first email, right? It's just like, is Cypher the one in charge if Jason's theory is right based on the trailer? She's the top. She is the top boss, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they're going to try to slide somebody else in on us, but yeah, because she was always like running stuff. It, it makes sense. It tracks. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Okay, so now we have a handful of things from Ben Milliman. He sends two emails, then three things back to back to back on Patreon. We'll get to that in a second. Cool. So first up, baby update, and it's too damn cold, says Ben. Okay. He lives in Alaska. I mean, it's, it's actually been moderately temperatured, temperate here. Uh, you know, there's been cold days. The weather's but... been decent. Yeah, dude. For us, I think it's, we had like a 60 degree weekend last weekend, right? Mm-hmm. It was 65 over, I think, both days over the weekend. I had the windows open. It was beautiful. Okay. Ben says, hey guys, we found out a couple weeks ago that we're having a baby girl. Well, congratulations on no niece Denise Milliman. <laughs> no. No, Mia. The ultrasound technician, Ben writes, told us we have a very stubborn baby because she couldn't get her to roll over to view the heart. After some trying... Baby finally moved, only it was in the wrong direction. Lenny had to go back a couple days later so they could try again. The technician said she hasn't seen a baby this stubborn in a good few years. We laughed and said... That sounds about right. <laughs> I hopefully that's not that's not um, foreshadowing of things to come, <laughs> but that's that's pretty funny. Get all like the it. angst out in the womb, and then just you know come out being adorable and agreeable. Exactly. Yeah. But also strong and independent. Definitely strong and independent, but that doesn't mean stubborn. Yes. There's a difference. So I agree. I'm trying to catch up again. Ben says on the podcast, work is insane. It's been in the negative teens all week. Jesus, Ugh. move out of Alaska, man. <laughs> yeah, God. So I've been fixing Horrible. heaters and broken pipes it's warmed to about six degrees today so that's been nice lol Ooh, a whole a whopping six <laughs> just double digits like i guess bust out the shorts right apparently yeah lenny and i keep talking about moving good because we don't want to raise our daughter in a place that's this cold also we don't want to live in a place this cold we're thinking about maybe oregon my little sister bella dope. is going to william and mary for college and i joined a joked about us moving to the east coast instead well yeah, come on by you could swing by for the uh family movie gatherings. You can, yeah, that's true. He says, I used to live in Oswego, New York, and Fombell, F-O-M-B-E-L-L, Pennsylvania. Ooh, I don't don't know Fombell at all. So that wouldn't be a huge change for me. Lenny loves the fall season. I told her if we visit Bella during the fall, she wouldn't want to leave. I mean, fall, like, in terms of nature, in terms of, like, selling someone on the East Coast, like, fall is the time to be here. Like, Late September, Absolutely. early October, like, mm, beautiful. What was it called? Fall? F-O-M-B-E-L-L. It's just north of Pittsburgh. Okay. So he wasn't far. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Ben says, that's it for now. I'm actually on call, so I need to get back to work. Have a good one. We'll email again when I'm caught up. P.S. I don't yes. think I've ever said this before, but it's insane how many Steelers and Penguins fans are up here. I'm always seeing stickers on cars or people, people wearing hats and shirts. I even talked to one guy... When I worked in his house, because he had signed posters, a couple jerseys, and a jacket from the Steelers framed on his wall, it was pretty cool. That is really cool. For some reason, man, the Penguins and Steelers fans are just everywhere. 
I think it's, you know, a combination of them doing well, just being like a kind of blue-collar team. Mm -hmm. It's relatable. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Ben's next email is Shrimp, but not Shrimp. He writes, after I sent the last email, I remembered a conversation that Linny and I had. We were talking about a couple years ago when we went to Seattle to do a Spartan race, and afterwards my dad and his new wife Amanda met us up for dinner. We met them at a pub for burgers and beer, and when we were finished... Dad asked if we wanted to split the bill. I said, yes, thank you for asking and treating me like an adult who has their own money. Up to that point, everyone we went out to eat with, as a parent, would just pay, so it was nice to be treated as an equal. Amanda, his new wife, ended up wanting to pay for it all anyway. Well, this conversation happened while we were driving around. Ben says, I just thought of something I should have said instead. And Lenny says, what's that? Ben says, I can pay for my own shrimp. And Lenny says, (laughs) but we had burgers, not shrimp? And he says, I know it's from the Fast and Furious. And she says... I thought it might be. <laughs> yes, I, I love the, um, I could pay for my own shrimp. And that would have been the perfect response, right? Mm-hmm. And they would have also been very confused. I drop this on my in-laws a lot. Like, I'll just, like, say quotes from movies, and, like, Rachel's mom just, like, doesn't care. That would have been a good, like, I could pay for my own shrimp. And then everybody had been like, okay, Joe's just being weird again. I do like the the being an adult thing. That's a that's an interesting perspective, and something I've been noticing a lot more lately. I get treated like an adult by real adults, and I don't feel like I'm a real adult, so. Hmm. Do you ever have this feeling? I feel like it's just a product of you're always growing up and you always sort of see yourself kind of in the same way. Like when you're younger, you're yes. like, I'm an adult. And then like when you're actually an adult, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, but you also realize that nobody knows what they're doing, right? It's just always like true. You're like people your age are always just, it's just normal, right? And so I feel like people yeah. who are older are always just like, well, that's a different, but like, it's, it's weird. I agree. Do you have experiences where you know someone from when you were a child and then you know them now again as an adult, and they treat you differently, and you like can see the relationship morph into like them treating you like an adult. That's what I've been experiencing lately, and it's mm. weird. I don't know. I mean, there's probably like probably neighbors and stuff, but like my that I grew up with that are around. But like I don't, I wasn't, we weren't really super close to my neighbors. I remember the only thing that comes to mind is that my second grade teacher I ran into when I was working summers in college. I was working at my okay. school district, and I just saw her. She was like prepping for his class or whatever. I was. 20 or whatever as opposed to what are you seven maybe in or seven yeah. or eight and so she talked to me like an adult i was just like this is weird because like to me you're still my teacher <laughs> yeah. but she was asking about college and everything it was just like not like equals but like more like oh this is like a different dynamic which i guess yes. is, is sort of the case i think teachers is probably the most common thing i think also specifically college is a little bit different but you know like tobin was one of my professors mm-hmm. at Ramapo and like, but he's now yeah, like, in a way I'm kind of his boss sort of on the network. And like, he's been on and he's like excited to talk about movies with us and like whatever. He was always super approachable and super fun and whatever. But he but, still like, was your professor. Yeah it's, yeah. it's weird. It's a weird thing, but I don't have a lot of history with that, but it is weird and just like, wait, wait, but I'm not, wait, wait. Exactly. Yeah. That was a good one. Tobin's a great example. That's, that's makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now Ben sends three, Patreon things back and back and back, all about his okay. pick. So I'm okay. going to save these and I'm going to bleep them so that people can't know. He says, hey, don't know if it's too late to put in movies for lap six, but I was thinking either or yeah. And that second one is one that I think, and this is a hint for him, that Nick mm. said he was between two and he picked one and then he also said this other one, right? And yeah. Ben says, not sure if either one's been picked. And I said, they're both available. Ben sends another message. He says, this just got really hard. Someone would have picked the first one already. He says, yeah. I've never seen the second one, but I know what it's about, and I want to watch it. Well, it seems like everybody kind of wants to watch this or wants to talk about it. So, yes. So, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I know it okay. has a lot to do with racing, and at one point, racing for pinks comes up, but I think the first one, 
fits well. Okay. Based on ties to the franchise, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. And he says, I'll go with the first one. And then 12 minutes later, he says, actually, I'll go with the second one. Sorry for being late <laughs> and possibly making it difficult. LOL. Final answer is no. the second one. Dude, you didn't make it difficult at all. I mean, we're still with, like planning prep things. It's not... It's not a big deal. Don't you did don't be sorry. We're still ways away from recording yep. it. So. so we're going to put that second one in, and I think the first one, if you or I don't pick it, we are going to have it as a for at least at the very least, a uh, patron pick as choice you can vote for one. Which I think I don't want to stack the cards, but like I feel like it's one that could win just based on its connection to the franchise. Like I think you or I are gonna have to pick like it's gonna have to be in the loop. Like I can't imagine it not being in the lap, so the weird thing is that and not the weird thing, but this the thing that we have to keep in mind is that between the three of the four, so we're still waiting on Jake, and I think that Jake's been busy. Also his country's on fire right now, so I think he's doing yeah, other things. I hope that he's aren't. okay. I was just thinking about him the other day. We should send him a mess I'll send him a message. Just hope he's alright. And our other buddy that sends us messages on Facebook too. Oh yeah. We have a whole Aussie crew. We're still waiting on his, but we have between the three other guys who have picked for next year, or for this year now, now that they're 2020, they've all been in lap six. And then between that and the extra couple bonus Fast Furious 9 ones, I think, and then the patron pick, I think there's only like two or three blank weeks. So like you and I pick one, then we have like one other thing to do. So like it's, there's not a okay. lot of space, but we got, we got, we still got wiggle room that leaves room in that if Jake comes in, country on fire, but here, do this movie. We still got room for him. Yeah, we do. We're always accommodating. Next email from Mr. Wes Hampton. Fate of the Furious. What up, fam? What up, Wes? As ever, I don't have much to say about fate. It's fun, but it does flounder a bit. I'm totally on board, though, with the theory about Brian's storylines being shifted to Dom after Paul's death. Yeah, agreed. I hope with Fast 9 coming out, we will see some more connections that give fate more meaning. Only a few more months to see. I can't wait. We're so close. Wes says, shout out to Alex for naming me the director of Etion. I had to sign an NDA, but that was a clause that allows me to admit it if anyone guesses correctly. So congrats, Alex. You were right. It was me all along. Don't tell anyone. Good. Thanks for the laugh, man. That was fun. He says, Wells' theoretical rankings are great, and I'm totally with him. I'd love to see Tarantino take a stab at the franchise. Honestly, I'd love to see it blossom into something like the MCU, with different writers and directors taking on different character-centered movies that experiment with different genres. I like the MCU fine, but I'd much rather see a movie about Tej and Roman than another Ant-Man movie. I agree, and I like Ant-Man movies. I just would love to see like Tej and Roman be their own thing and have it stylized a different way and its own directive, like creative direction. What I think is kind of cool, though, about the Fast and Furious franchise is that it is, for lack of a better word, I mean, I know this sort of writer by committee, kind of, but like it's kind of a singular vision, right? Like, I know they had to pivot we talked when about Paul that, died, yeah. but like, it's, I think it's kind of rare for like one, basically 10 movies to tell one story. And to have essentially the same creative director the whole time, right? Yeah. Vin is the driving it's force Vin behind this. It's Vin and it's Chris Morgan and to a certain extent Justin Lin, right? Like, it's the three of them kind of just like, this is the story that we're going to tell. Yeah. He says, uh, we started watching Watchmen. And in the first episode, the main protagonist drives a very cool Buick Grand National, the same car Dom drives in the beginning of Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. number four. I first mm-hmm. really noticed this car when it was featured in an episode of Fastest Car, and I was going to send it in for Dude, What's My Car? But I know for sure I've already submitted it. I just want to say that I feel proud that I recognized it immediately when, it was out, when I saw it on screen last night, and I excitedly explained it to Mrs. West, who did an admirable job feigning interest. After listening <laughs> to hundreds of hours of Fast and Furious podcasts and rewatching the movies multiple times... I might be turning into a car guy. Who knew? Exactly. No, it's it's like a very passive thing, you know? Like, it doesn't need to be, like, your first... You don't need to wake up and want to wrench 
But at the same time, like, it's cool. Like, you know, you recognize a cool card that you liked, and you're like, hey, we've talked about this before, and now you can spot it. It's just interesting. He says, that's it for this week. I'll need to find the Tammy and the T-Rex ASAP, so I'll be prepared for next week. Until then, stay furious. Well, so there's two things. Number one, Showtime on Amazon Prime. You can get a free trial of that, or I think it's like 9 bucks or whatever. Also, I read a thing. I don't know when it's happening, but I think Tammy and the T-Rex is coming to Shudder which is the horror channel on Amazon, which I think is like four or five bucks ah. a month. This month sometime. I don't know when in January. Tammy the T-Rex is coming to Shudder. So if you don't have access cool. to Showtime or whatever, or that doesn't work, Tammy the T-Rex is coming to Shudder Did you say you can even trial point. it? You can trial it. Every channel you can, tri- you can trial. Yeah, so you can get it your free week and find it there. So that'll be cool. You can wiggle your way around it. Plus, Shudder is like four bucks, which is basically the, si- the price of a movie rental anyway, right? So like if you're, yeah. you know, it's not terrible. Nope, not bad at all. All right, final three emails, all from Justin Kleinman. And they're all sort of like a, oh, I forgot, and oh, I forgot. So here we go. Okay, cool. It's a 20-mile walk, so humor me, subject line. Okay. This one cuts deep. It looks like another playoff loss for the Vikings. I know you're used to it. No one was upset about it up here. In fact, it was barely talked about because Minnesota fans just expect their teams to fail in the playoffs. I'm a big baseball fan. I didn't watch the Twins in the playoffs last year. I've got better things to do than watch them get swept by the Yankees again. The Twins have lost, I think, like 11 or 12 in a row to the Yankees in the playoffs. Just like... Wow. It, like, it, games. Not I did Just that. games. Just like, they cannot win. I don't know why. The Twins aren't bad either, right? Like, they're not well, terrible. The Twins have been... Pr- and they also just signed Josh Donaldson, so shout out. Frank Gore's fallen star on a Braves. Josh Donaldson was on the Braves, I think, most recently. Went mm. to Minnesota. They finally added a big bat. Big signing for them, so congratulations, cool. Twinkies. Justin says, anyway, I'm halfway through the latest ep around fate. I never thought about that last line of Brian's during the minute until hearing it this time. I even rewound it to listen again. Brian says to Dom, we got a 20-mile walk, so humor me. I guess I always yep. thought it was a 20-block walk. I guess it does lend some credence to them filming out near Anaheim and out of the neighborhood. I googled yeah. Echo Park to Westminster, and it's actually 35 miles. But regardless, and then in this minute, we'll see that take a cab anyway, so. It was a little bit more, like, tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. but at the same time, 20-mile walk. But but we mapped it out last time when we were talking about where everything was relatively, yep. and it was pretty far. It's pretty far. Minutes. He says, have you ever thought about how fast they must have run to make it back to the house party from a 20-mile walk? Shit, you know, one of them pulled a calf muscle along the way. Spoiler, it was Brian. <laughs> Well, it was actually a cab. Well, they might, I mean, they might have tried to walk it. He might have pulled the calf muscle and then. Oh. You never know. That's a good thing. Like, twisted it. Like, he tweaked his ankle. Yep. He's like, oh, no, we need to get a cab now. Mm-hmm. He says, also, I never thought about the music in this movie until you started taking these minutes. Until you started these minutes. I'm sorry, but God, is it awful and dated. Probably feels that way since I was 21 when this movie came out and listening to solely indie rock stuff at the time. It definitely dates it. I like the I like the soundtrack, but I think it definitely dates it. Definitely dates it. What I love about this movie in particular is that I can just Google song playing during party in the Fast and the Furious and people are like, oh, here's the exact song. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy, right? Like everybody... People love this one. Yeah. All for sure. Ones. Next email from Justin. Do we have to, Dad? Says, Spy Racers, you wanted to know a kid's perspective? Well, my 10-year-old son... May not be the best judge of this, as action movies aren't really his bag. He's more okay. of a comedy and musical kid currently. His favorite film cool. is Danny Boyle's Yesterday, which is a good cool. choice since Danny Boyle is my favorite director. Cool. Hold on. I, I, this is my friend's theory. I want to read this to you. So do you know what Yesterday is about? Is that the Beatles one? Yes. So if you're listening, you don't know what Yesterday is about. I'm going to explain what it's about, and then I'm going to give this sort of spoilery theory. I haven't seen it, but I, I know the premise of it. The, the movie is about this guy gets hit by a bus. Or there's like a power There's a power outage. He gets hit by a bus when he wakes up. He remembers everything. He remembers life as it was, but the world has been changed and no one remembers the Beatles. Yes. He's this aspiring singer-songwriter 
and he so he starts, just sings Beatles songs. Yes, he starts singing Beatles songs, and he becomes like the biggest musician in the world. All this different stuff, whatever. Okay, spoilers now, sort of, kind of for yesterday. This is not a movie I don't think that you would enjoy, but I, I want I want to hear your thoughts specifically on my friend's theory. Okay, want to watch yesterday and have not skip forward a minute or so. The movie ends. It never gets undone. He eventually says to the world, hey, these are all from the Beatles, or blah, I think, at some point, but, like, there's never, like, an, a redo switch. Like, it's never like, oh, everything's back to the Now we was. know who the Beatles are. We found them. There's a couple other people that he encounters who remember the Beatles. You're supposed to be afraid that they're going to be like, we're going to expose you, and they're just like, no, thank you, because we're not musically inclined. We've been dying to hear these songs again, like you're fulfilling this need or whatever. If there was no Beatles, even if you're like, hey, I stole all these songs from this band that didn't exist, what are they, like, you're going to give royalties right. to an imaginary band like it doesn't fucking matter well at one point he meets john lennon because he was never assassinated because he never became famous and all this different stuff whatever ah okay so they still existed they still existed they just didn't be they weren't a band they don't really go too far in depth of that okay okay so in the movie he's friends with this girl who's played by lily james and she is dating his friend he's kind of got a crush on her and like it's like will they won't they blah 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 they sort of flash back and it turns out that there's other things that get forgotten too. The band Oasis, okay. who did Wonderwall, is also not a yes. band. So like other things like that, that it's just not the. It's not just the Beatles. Oh, it's like a whole it's, bunch is of it things. the trickle down effect from the Beatles? Like sort if there's of, no I think Beatles, so. there's no Oasis. Yes. And, okay, makes sense. And so here's my friend's theory. And if you're listening now and you still want spoiler free, skip ahead another minute or so. When Lily James and the lead kid meet the roadie for the first time, the roadie implies they're sleeping together, and she laughs and is like, "Not even once." The implication here is that she was not in love with him. So this is before before the switch, essentially, right? So it's like they're very clearly not romantically involved. Then the blackout happens. A bunch of stuff yes. disappears. Then once he starts to get famous, she approaches him in the bedroom like, how come you've never loved me? Why aren't you writing any songs about me? And eventually they okay. end up together at the end of the movie. But okay. she's also like, I knew you were special since I saw you play Wonderwall at the talent show in eighth grade. <gasps> so he says, so since we know that Oasis exist. disappeared with the Beatles, is the implication that pre-blackout Lily James wasn't in love with him, but post-blackout, she'd always been in love with him because she thought that he wrote Wonderwall. He says, isn't that gut-wrenchingly sad because when he plays the original song for Kate McKinnon, who's like this agent, power agent or whatever, she hates it. He says, it feels like the implication is that this guy's entire life is constructed mm. on plagiarism, including the person he thinks is his ticket out of hell. When you're watching the movie, like the Oasis thing, I feel like is such an afterthought kind of. It's like, oh, it's the Beatles, he's becoming successful. Yeah. Because my friend was like, when do you watch this movie... I have a theory about it that's going to make it from like just like this kind of jokey whatever like not jokey thing but like exactly what you think it's going to be to oh that's like a heartbreaking movie and so when he said that I was just like oh shit like it's she remembers the same thing but all of a sudden instead of being like a cover of one of the most famous songs of all time most popular songs of all time it's now this like love song to a girl or whatever or whatever I don't know what Wonderwall is about but it's now like for her and she falls in love with him like this whole other thing and so like his entire life has been built on a lie it's just it's it's very devastating but is it really a lie because I don't think he was pitching it like but does he pitch it like I invented these songs or does he just like write them and it's like these are the songs and everybody's like holy shit this is great well he tried because when when the movie starts he's like he he sings something they're like what is that he's like what do you mean what is that like it's whatever and they're like yeah like let it be or whatever yeah it's like it's like how do you I don't know what you're talking about and then like as things go on he keeps trying to like be like well don't you remember this and people don't and then he just sort of does his own thing and then it's just like I'm only writing Beatles songs so he doesn't 
really do it maliciously, but he's like doing it mostly because he wants to honor them kind of and not become super rich and famous. But along the way, that just happens. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, God, like, it's it's a crazy theory. It's a crazy theory. I like thinking about that. If that happened to me, I'd be like, that's the circumstances, man. Like, I can't change him. My life isn't built on a lie. He wasn't lying to this girl. It's just like shit changed. And like, that's what happened. I don't think I could pitch them as my own songs. The question is, so in the alternate reality, right, this girl that you've always loved who never loved you suddenly loves you now, but it's now based on something that she thought you wrote, but you didn't actually write. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like you cheated it. Like, it feels like you didn't earn, you think all along mm-hmm. that, like, because things have changed and whatever, and she's seeing him successful or whatever, that he, he's like a different man, he feels more confident, blah, blah, blah. But now it feels like she's always loved him because of that one song that he was just doing a cover of. That's the sad part. It cheapens it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. That was really interesting. That was a fun, that was a fun thought project there. I enjoyed that. Anyway, uh, Justin's email Good goes on. <laughs> Yeah. He says, well, I put on the show and we watched episode one. It ended and episode two started. He turned and looked at me and said, can we watch something else? I said, you aren't interested. He said, not really, but if you really want to, we can. Oh, that's heart-wrenching. He's a sweet kid. He said, we watched one more. sad. And he just played Minecraft on a tablet. I watched ep three and haven't gotten around to finishing it. I liked it. I'd say I'm more likely to finish the series than watch Hobbs and Shaw again. Whoa. Ooh, it says time will tell. Interesting. Okay. There's a 10-year-old's perspective on it. We wanted and it's just like uh, I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rough kids. Jeez. And then the third email is subject line trips and he says as we say in my fantasy baseball league when you are fantasy league when you do three back-to-back posts. This is a car picture that we will save for a couple episodes down the road cuz now we have cool. two from Nick, I think, and one from Justin. So we've got a Perfect. handful to play into lap six. So thank you all for sending that in. And that's all the emails. So we had a lot of, a lot of awesome. emails, a lot, of, a lot of flurry of activity in the last three days. There was, and we we did a lot of cool thought processes this time. Like what, what kind of things are going to be in the next movie. Mm-hmm. This was cool. It was a good one. Thoughts so if you want to chime in for next episode, family at cageclub.me. You can also, if you'd like, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Still no new ratings, no new reviews, but five out of five, 19 ratings, all five stars, that's all awesome. glowing, that's wonderful awesome. reviews. Thank you all so very much. Yes, thank you. No new news, I don't think, in the last three days, which we will skip over that. But, Joe, but the one good. thing we have to do before we talk about Tammy and the T-Rex is talk about The Fast and Furious Minutes, Minute 31, a minute I called, and I don't know if I love this title, but you want a beer? You want a beer? In this minute, as you just heard, Dom and Brian take a cab to the fortress. It's called the fortress, right? We learned that from... The fort, which I'm sure is short for fortress, but I think they use the word fort. Okay. Dom invites Brian into the party. Mia stops studying, gets changed for him. We enter the party. We see Vince playing a guitar. We see Letty on the floor. And then we see the two women that we talked about, either this lap or last lap, 
making out. And so that's kind of yes. what we saw. I, I put more details into this Fast and Furious Minute. I don't know if we're going to talk about everything, but if you want to know basically everything that's in Mia's room, uh, check out the Fast and Furious Minute document. <laughs> yeah, you really killed the game with this list. Joey has literally everything on her dresser, walls, everything. It's it's really fun. I want to point out three things, though, specifically. Number one, cool, go ahead. the guitar that Vince is playing yes. is the Zach Wild, most famously the Zach Wild guitar. Uh, the Gibson Les Paul custom bullseye guitar. Um, I don't know if you know uh. Zach Wilde, but he's, I guess, best known for being Ozzy's guitarist and also the lead of Black Label Society. And I learned today that oh, he is cool. from New Jersey, which is very exciting. Very cool. I asked current lap guest, Cara Gayla Regan, because she is very much into flowers. I took a picture of my TV and I said, what is this tree at the end yes. of 1327? She says, it's hard to tell without being closer up or without more context. But she thinks it might be a crepe myrtle, C-R-E-P-E-M-Y-R-T-L-E. So I linked to that in the document. And then the I other really thing like that it. I want to say, my favorite picture in okay. Mia's room is that there's a picture of her and Dom, looks like her and Dom at least, yes. on her mirror. Next to a couple tuners, there's like a before, like a top and bottom in a car and then a picture. But to the right of it, just her and Dom. And I just love that like... Probably at some point, Vin Diesel and Jordana Brewster were like, hey, brother-sister photo shoot, and then they took a picture for this one throwaway thing, just a little bit of set decoration in the movie. I love it. Yeah, I do too. Or they've had a Photoshop them together from old pictures somehow. Yeah. But I think by the 2001, way. it's probably just like, eh, just just get a Kodak and we'll just do it. You know what I mean? Just like even disposable. Like, just let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But like I said, if you want all the detail in the world, the Fast and Furious Minute document, so many things going on here. I can't wait. I'm excited at some point, because now that there are eight people, we have eight patrons over there. At some point, I would imagine, if people, I actually don't know if people look at this or not, but I want to be in the document at some point while we're recording an episode and somebody else, like, looking at it. You know what I mean? Like, not knowing what we're doing, but I want to see somebody else in the document. If we keep having enough people a long enough timeline. We're definitely going to get to a point where somebody sees us working on the minute and they see like me typing nonsense and you like cleaning it up behind mm-hmm. me like normally happens. <laughs> like like me being like, this thing! And then you're like, this is the thing. And like <laughs> just fixing everything behind me. It'll be like so telling for them to see it unfold live of like me doing dumb shit and you cleaning up right behind me like normal. <laughs> I want to bring up one thing that was in it's in kind of in your wheelhouse here. It. The thing that I noticed it was most fascinating to me is on the stairwell on the wall of the stairway in their house. They just have a picture of a horse. Oh yes, I made a note of that. And it's just so Framed random. Picture of a horse. Yeah, it's like it's so great. I was like, damn, that's really a horse. And then like obviously you had it in the document. I like too. that Dom is so into American Muscle and the Mustang brand. He's like, I got I got horses too. Like just look at that horse. <laughs> horses in the back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Old Town 1327. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, two cool car things. There's not many signs in this. Um, I got, like, all of the taxi cab things. On the top, like, the pizza topper, the car topper that we've, you know, discussed what that actually is before, they have an advertisement for speakeasy.net. It's absolutely Megapath, a fusion company. Speakeasy is now Megapath. New name, same broadband speed. Oh, okay, cool. So it's it's like an ISP. Yeah, speakeasy.net was an ISP. License plate 6G52628. Mm-hmm. There's a phone number on the side of the cab, it, but it doesn't have an area code. I mean, like, it's up to you if you want to call it or not. Los Angeles. 
there's four different ones. There's two one three six six one three one zero four two four three two three. Actually, five different ones. Yeah, so I think I think that that one. I mean, I have no problem doing, it, but I don't want to randomly call one of five different numbers because that's what I'm saying. Best case, it's just a cab company. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, like I know, like our our cabs are in hundreds of movies. Like, what do you want? Exactly. The coolest car fact, though, you laid out like all the other cars that are in um that are just around, the driveway. Yeah. So there was one that is right next to the cab and i'm trying to figure out i was like this is not letty's it's not vince's it's not leon's like whose car is this Mm -hmm. and it's this like kind of like baby blue powdery blue turquoisey kind of color and i'm like looking through the car movie database to try to figure out because it because it has the livery of like a of one of the fast cars it's mia's car oh it's the first time we get to see mia's car and we just don't know it's hers, but her car is parked right in front of the house as well. Did you make a note which of that makes, one? You, which one is that? No, I didn't because we're going to see it uh, later. So, like, I didn't put it in yet. She has an Acura Integra. And it's the blue one. That, remember when she takes Brian for the ride yes. in the movie? So this was, like, just a quick panning shot of it. I was, like, going to wait until we get to that scene to, like, put that part in. Because there's just, like, you know, cars in the driveway now. Gotcha. It's focusing on the cab. Cars in the driveway, yes. horses in the back. And it makes sense. Mia's home, right? Yep. Her car would be there. Mm-hmm. You think she paid twenty grad for it? Forty grad? How many? How many grads do you think she paid for it? <laughs> Probably about six grad. Six grad back right. then. Not, bad. Not including the parts and in, in stuff, but labor of six love. Grad. Uh, the music I mentioned before that you can just Google like what is the song playing? It's Norega by Organic Audio, which continues as an mm. instrumental track that I found on YouTube and linked there. The someone made a video and just the image in the video was just thirteen twenty seven. So I just love it. Just like hey, yeah, I'm putting the song because everybody's <laughs> looking for it because of this movie. Yeah. So that's that. The question, though, Joe, is what? what's our trivia question going to be? I don't know. I'm going to go with the two highlights for me. This is the first time we get to see one crew member's car, like something about Mia's car. Or we can do, what is the picture? Mia has a picture with two people in it on her dresser. Or what picture ooh, is ooh. on the stairway? How about what? this? Which of these is not a photograph or a picture or, or a piece of art or something? i got to figure out the wording that we see in their house. So we could do the picture of them. We could do the horse. Red Bull can. What are, which of the following is not in the Toretto house during the party scene? A framed photo of a horse. Of a horse. <laughs> That's a real... This is going to be actually a, a much tougher question than it needs to be, but it's awesome at the same time. A, I like this a one. A can of Red Bull. And we have to, you know, we'll have to take a look at later if, if any of these things come up. I kind of want more specifically the Les Paul, a Les Paul custom guitar. Oh yeah, good call. And then what's that? What, give me, give me a fake answer. A wrench, right? That's a good fake answer I'll just too. say uh, a wrench, a wrench, a wrench set. A ratchet, a, a ratchet set. Which of the following is not in the Toretto house during the party scene, a framed photo of a horse, a set of ratchets, a can of Red Bull, or a Les Paul custom guitar. That was, again, like, there's, there's not a lot that happens. Just like, hey, you want to be here? Come on in the house. Like, we get to the party. The party's not really started yet, but I, man, I love this. I love this. And I was just like, because I was watching, just like, well, that's, there's not a lot going on. I was like, wait a minute. There's so many weird things for me to make note of. Oh, I wish that it was, like, m- more focused. I really was hoping that we could tell what books were on the shelf, because mm. I thought that would be very telling, but like, it, it's too blurry, you know? Like, it's out of frame, yeah. or out of focus. So. I do want to say that the, on Mia's dresser, there is a lot of Asian influence. A couple of the candles have Asian there lettering. Is. She's got these yeah. two, like... Japanese ladies in like these green tunics with like a 
a fan as her lamps. I'm like, what is like, is this foreshadowing Tokyo Drift? I don't know. They're fans of imports, so they have a lot of Japanese influence in them, right? Dom's not. But but Mia has this Acura Integra. I guess. And I mean, they are all driving import. Like Dom likes, you know, American muscle. Dom just likes cars. Time. Yeah. Yeah, he likes cars. So she just might be like, you know, fun time tuner girl. It's cool. Any other thoughts about the minute? No, it was a really great minute. You're right. I think that this is probably a super iconic one for anybody listening. This is probably a scene that you see in your head. Well, you know what we're getting we next know. minute is going to be the iconic party scene is you can have any brew you want as long as it's Corona. I think that's got to be in the next minute, right? Can't, yeah, can't detail a car with the with the cover on it. Mm-hmm. That That's all coming up real do soon. You, do you have a better name for this minute than you want a beer? No, I, I like that. Okay. I think that sums it up. What is Mia? Does Mia just say like shit or something? Yeah. She's Which is like, funny. shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Now we got to the house. How long do you think the house scene is in minutes? I go at least three we're gonna get at least two more we're gonna be out of there in by minute 34 this is 31 by 34 at some point we're out oh for sure yeah i agree with that i think we got at least two more because you get like letty on the floor you're gonna get Dom, vince and brian interacting and then letty dragging him upstairs we got at least two more minutes of this so let's take a break we'll come back and talk about tanny and the teenage t-rex right after this Number 66, Le Magnifique, Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. This episode is brought to you by the Field Museum, specifically Sue the T-Rex. At more than 40 feet long and 13 feet tall at the hip, Sue is physically the largest Tyrannosaurus Rex specimen discovered out of more than 30 T-Rex skeletons that have been found. Sue is also the most complete at around 90%. Thank you, the Field Museum Chicago. Thank you to Sue. Thank you to the Field Museum Chicago. We are finally, it feels like it's been forever, but it's really only been two months maybe since we started talking about this, but... We're finally here to talk about Tammy and the T-Rex, or as the opening title indicates, Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. So I posted on Patreon today, right? I was like, yes. like intro is up, everybody who wants it, go go get it. And Melissa yeah. messages me very quickly, and she's just like, do you know that you said Tanny? And I was like, yes, I'm aware. And she's like, I got very worried. And I was like, no, it's... It's it's literally what it says. So if you've not seen this yet, it is now... We we heard from Mr. Wes Hampton, Mr. or Mrs. Wes. It is now available on Shudder. You can stream it on Shudder. You can also stream it on Showtime on Amazon. You can also buy the 4K or Blu-ray. And I think it's also coming out, I want to say next week, as this comes out, basically in two weeks as we record this, you can buy the Blu-ray or the 4K from, like, Amazon. Like, you don't have to go through Vinegar Syndrome. You can buy it from yeah. other people, whatever. But it's out there. It's out there for you. But if you've not seen it yet, basically the entire movie, Denise is referred to as Tammy, but in the credits, in the opening title card, Intro. everywhere, yeah. Tanny, and it's Tanny, T-A-N-N-Y, and the Teenage T-Rex. So I don't know. And they have M's. That was the whole point that I, that, so I turned this movie on. I go, Joey, this is starting off on a great foot because it says Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. And there's M's. It's not like they like the font is weird. No, These they're are just distinct typos. M's. They are very clearly this is weird. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, it's that. It's definitely not the weirdest part of this movie. The quick backstory 
on Taming the T-Rex. It was originally released in 1994. It was censored. About seven or eight minutes were cut out to get it a PG-13 rating. When it was shown internationally in countries like Italy, they showed the entire, basically this version. So Vinegar Syndrome announced that they were going to restore and theatrically release, I don't know where, maybe Draft House, maybe Austin, uh, the uncut version. Well, actually, I know it played at Fantastic Fest. The uncut version in select North American theaters, then on home video. So that was the big thing. The backstory for why this movie exists is that the writer-director Stuart Raffel, who also Mm -hmm. is known for directing Mac and Me, which is just a very blatant ripoff of E.T. I don't know if you know Mac and Me. I didn't, but when I was mentioning this movie to one of my coworkers, he said, do you know Mac and Me? It's the same director. I know the gif of the kid going off the cliff in the in the wheelchair. Which is probably best known for the clip that Paul Rudd always shows when he goes on Conan's show. Do you know this bit or no? Yes, he told me this. I only know it from him telling me yesterday. So whenever Paul Rudd would be on, like, hey, I'm promoting Ant-Man, I'm promoting Ant-Man and the Wasp, whatever, like, here, let's go to the clip, and it would always be the same clip of Mac and me of the kid in a wheelchair, down a very steep hill, off a cliff, presumably falling into his death. He does not die, but it is a crazy clip of this movie. I think Mac and Meek was made for McDonald's, and I think it, he, instead it of he Reese's Pieces this, yeah. in E.T., it was just M&M's or something. It was just like, it's like it very literally the same type of movie, but not well made. So this guy, Stuart Raphael, yeah. uh, said he had access to a full-size T-Rex animatronic. A guy came to him and was just like, we have this. Uh, it's going to a park in Texas. We have two weeks. The eyes move, the arms move, the head moves. Uh, he said that he wanted to use it in a movie. Stuart Raffel was like, I don't have an idea for a movie yet, but we can figure something out. And so they had it for two weeks. So basically, in the span of two weeks, they, I guess, did this entire thing. Because this is Paul Walker's first movie, so it's not like he was somebody. Like They just were like, hey, okay. casting call, we're doing this right now. Plus, he's only in the movie for probably like 25 minutes, right? Because, spoiler, the movie is about Paul Walker falls into a coma after he gets mauled by a lion. He has his brain transferred from his body into the the T-Rex's body. The last hour of this movie, Paul Walker is not technically in. Like, you could see the T-Rex as Paul Walker, kind of. The actor is not on screen for more than the first 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, so I got nervous, right? Yeah, okay, go ahead, keep going. And so they wrote (laughs) the story in a week and worked on the script as they filmed. Um, and they were constantly asking the cast and crew if they had any better ideas as to how they could make this movie. So they basically were just like, hey, we've got this dinosaur, let's just make a movie. They're like, all right, we'll wing it. And that's the story of them. Like, that's why this movie exists, because they had access to a dinosaur. They're like, we're going to make a movie. Let's just go out and do it. Yeah, they essentially like just rented this dinosaur in between sets or something. It seems like it's a movie made like that. Mm-hmm. It seems like they, they figured out that they had a dinosaur for two weeks and started writing the script then. Yeah, and like, exactly. sh- like in the sense of like when Tommy Wiseau made the room, like he like writes a page, hands it to them, they go start shooting that page, and then he's writing the next page as they're like doing it. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like. Did you like this movie? I did. So this is where I think you and I are going to differ a little bit on this because this is admittedly a very very crazy movie. But I've it seen is. a lot of movies that are not like this because nothing is really like this. But I've seen a lot of movies like this. You were like, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm like, I, I kind of don't have a ton to say about it. Like, I've seen a lot of movies in this vein and I enjoyed okay. it. And I think it's beautiful to look at like Vinegar Syndrome did an amazing job restoring it. But I enjoyed it. But it's not like a mind blowing. I can't like I literally cannot believe this movie. It's just 
Oh yeah, okay. that's that's certainly a weird thing. So you've seen a lot of things in this wheelhouse. Yes. So it's not as it's not as shocking in the that sense to you. Correct. That makes yeah. sense. I really enjoyed this movie too. I don't think that there's anything like it and just having Paul Walker and Denise Richards in it is like top tier for me for how zany it is. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I just think it's fu- it's a fun story to talk about just plot-wise. And it feels like they wrote it as they were going. So the movie is Paul Walker is dating Denise Richards. Her ex is this kind of like gutter punk grunge kid uh, who is very violent, very aggressive, very protective of Denise hyper, Richards. Hyper aggressive to her. Yeah. Even though they're not together anymore. Possessive. Is they word. get into a fight outside of school. Later that night, I believe, or maybe the next night or whatever, Paul Walker sneaks over to Denise Richards' house because she's, you know, they're high schoolers. They're not, you know, she shouldn't be having boys over at night, whatever. Mm-hmm. He sneaks up. Her friends or ex-friends, or these two girls, see him going there. They, they call she's all part the posse. Of, they're part of his crew. Yes. They call the posse, and they all show up, and they basically knock down. They, they, they're, like, they're going to knock down the door of Denise Richards' parents' house. Paul Walker runs out. They chase him, beat the shit out of him. They bring him to an animal preserve, a wild animal preserve, which apparently is a thing. They leave him there. He's mauled by a lion, brought to a hospital. This crazy mad scientist who has basically been reanimating a T-Rex. For the record, this comes out a year after Jurassic Park. This dinosaur looks (laughs) very bad. Like, it's funny. Like, I love that it's, like, goofy. But, like, considering that, like, still probably one of the landmark... CGI, computer-generated special effects movies of all time, Jurassic Park, came out the year before this, and this is like, hey, look, it's a real dinosaur. It's like, well, okay. And then the, yeah. the mad scientist who's like, who basically needs a brain, because he's like, I know how to, be, I know what to do here. He's having an argument with the other scientists, where it's run by a supercomputer, and he's like, no, I'm just going to get it a brain, because the brain is going to be better than a supercomputer. And also, I and don't want to deal with you, computer programmer. Like, he hints that he's going to kill him. He's, like, mildly threatening him, like, yeah, well, like, once we get this brain in there, I won't need you anymore. And, like, looks at him, like, menacingly, and they're all like, okay, that's fine. They go to the hospital, and Paul Walker is basically, he has no family, so I was like, that's kind of a Brian O'Connor thing, right? there just no real family to speak it of. is true he's got his uncle who's not really maybe his uncle doesn't really care just sort of asleep in the room doesn't even wake up when they take the body out this doctor pretends that paul walker dies but he's actually just in a coma brings yeah. him out he revives they basically knock him out again take his brain out of his body put it in the t-rex and then they throw paul walker's body ostensibly away although they get they bury him and then when they open <laughs> the coffin later it looks like donald trump i didn't make that connection but kind of does just kind of like a generic dude in a suit very fake blonde hair and yes. it's just like oh this is like i was like is that supposed to be i was like oh i realized after the fact i guess my bigger point is that it looks nothing like paul walker in the grave yeah and it's also yeah. already like maggot infested even though he just died like a day or two before and rats there's like live rats and mice there's both but i guess before we get to the back half of this movie before with you know essentially Paul Walker Brian O'Connor as the T-Rex let's talk about the front half what did you like about the front half what did you not like about the front half favorite parts favorite moments favorite characters hit me with what you loved about the uh, the beginning of this movie I hit a point about 10 minutes in when I realized that I needed to give this movie a lot more attention than it was getting mm-hmm. I needed to watch it with Rachel I needed to tell my coworker about it because he loves films like this okay and that exact moment was you know, you mentioned Denise Richards has this ex-boyfriend. They pretty much, like, the first scene, you see her kiss Brian once. 
He goes outside. She says, I can't take this flower from you to go to prom together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, but like you should. And she's like, no. And he just eats the flower. Unprompted. She's like, you're silly. This is why I like you. They kind of chuckle about it. And Paul Walker is like, he's eating this flower. This isn't acting. He does like he's chewing it. His next lines delivered are kind of dry because he ate the flower. Yep, literally dry, not, you know, poor acting, just like I, I no. do not have saliva in my mouth. Because he ate a flower. Yeah. This seems kind of interesting. Okay, I like where this is going. That's that's a little that took me for a loop. You know, the ex boyfriend pulls up and they have this incredible fight scene. There's like body slams. It does not look like there were stunt doubles. It looks like Paul Walker was probably getting body slammed. And it's like this hyper-aggressive fight. The girls that are part of the posse are like so into it and and like aggressive and violent. They're just like screaming on the sidelines. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. It's like a good minute, minute and a half. Well, you're not even mentioning the most, the strangest, the most standout part of this entire fight. It's the end. Yes. So I'm I'm going through the fight. I'm like, whoa, this is like really like violent. There's a lot of slamming going on. The boyfriend grabs Paul Walker by the the balls. Literally. Yes. Mm-hmm. He he's he's pinching his testicles. To the point where when the cops show up to break it up, one of them says, What we got here is a testicular standoff. As he's grabbing Paul Walker's balls, Paul Walker decides to grab his balls, and so there's just a dick pinching contest happening now. That's that's a standoff. That continues for like another two minutes to where the cops are like, We need to break this up, so just let go together on three. They finally break them apart. The cop looks at Paul Walker and goes, What is what's the matter with you? You don't got no balls, kid? And he's like, No, I had a cup on the whole time. Which throws into question the entire last like ninety seconds. Like what is he doing? Yeah, grabbing? exactly. The scene shifts to the doctor playing with this animatronic T Rex with no explanation how we jumped between these two things, and I was like, stop, I gotta watch this movie with somebody else. Yes. One of the hallmarks of a movie like this is pacing that is way too slow. Like this fight is probably three times as long as it should be. Oh, but for because sure. there's yeah, not yeah, yeah. actually plot, because there's not actually anything happening. It's just like, well we can kill it we can literally burn a minute or two off here just by they can just fight for a while. And it's like but there's nothing really ha- I mean there are, you know, body slams and stuff. Like you're you're saying like the beginning is cool, but like you would think in a in a fight like this, in a movie like this, <laughs> that they would body slam and then teachers would race in and be like, break it up, break it up, break it up. But it's like no, they body slam, body it's three slam. Three minutes of body slams. Get back up, sort of stare off at each other for a while, testicular standoff for like a good 40, 45 seconds, and then the cops break them up. It's like, oh. And so this is where I was like, okay, not that I didn't already know exactly what this movie was going to be, but now I know what this movie is going to be. It's just like, yes. okay, I get it. I do want to point out, though, in this opening scene, as we're getting introduced to the world of the high school, we also meet Denise Richards' best friend, Byron. The best character in this whole film. A walking, like I think back then probably meant to be progressive, now is sort of just a walking series of stereotypes. It is. A gay black man dressed like he, just imagine what like a white person thinks an African person dresses like. It's like, that's what it is. It's almost like a person in blackface is like the level of stereotype that they have this man. But they're trying to be like, look at like what kind of characters that we have. But I was wondering if this is a high school movie and if we are trying to correlate 
all of Paul Walker's movies to the Brian O'Connor character. This yes. has to be the high school, or maybe, unless he got transferred, the high school where he meets Tyrese. And I was, the entire oh. movie, I was just like, is Byron Roman? Is that the Roman character? And then he's just oh. hiding his high school, like his femininity, his sexuality, all that stuff, masking it with bravado. No niece Dennis? No niece Denise Richards. Oh. The name is right there. Both are good, yeah. I like both. I do like that. I thought the Byron character, for the bad in it, he is hilarious, and the actor was doing the best he could with what he was given. Because no one in this movie is given anything. Exactly! Every time I saw him, I was like, this is a breath of fresh air. He's trying. He's putting his heart into it. He's delivering it as best as he can. He's basically Titus from Kimmy Schmidt. He is Titus, yes. He's a young Titus. It's Titus in high school. But it's like, it's the stereotype. Titus works as a character. Like, they know what Titus is. This is Titus without any kind of awareness. It's just like, (laughs) this is the kind of character we want to do. Like, imagine if Titus just had no innate awareness of the world around him and or like the people writing him were just like it's what a dummy would be like oh i know exactly it's it's how titus burgess who plays titus andromedon like when people interview him they're like but i thought you were wait you're not him like i thought you were the same person like i thought it was the same like i thought that was just you it's like the people who think that are the people writing this kind of character (laughs) yes that's a good that's a really good way to put it i mean i don't actually think that he's roman but i think that it's if we are if we're mirroring weird like it has to because this is also a very very white high school otherwise this definitely is the closest we get to a roman and it has to be like his bud right so like in a parallel universe this would be roman yes the very beginning we get i think the most brian brianism of Tanny and the T-Rex. Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. Brian has love and is in a relationship with a woman he shouldn't be in love with. Okay, very fair. But is it, should he really not be? Or just like, because it feels like the world doesn't want, it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet situation, sort of. There's somebody out to get him because he's in a relationship with this girl. So it is, it's a love that's forbidden. Okay. In some way. Sure. And that that's a Brianism that he's like, I'm not scared of the repercussions of this. Right. I'm still going to love this woman no mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah. Even if I'm an anim- animatronic dinosaur, I will love this woman. That was the most Brian moment at the beginning for me. Did you notice during this film, Paul Walker and Denise Richards are extra giggly together? No, but I can I can see where you're going with this. And it seems like they might have had like a little bit of like actual flirtation on the set because they're like super bubbly they're both when they're beautiful with each people other. especially at this point they are you know what i mean so i can see that happening you work on a movie like this and either you're both very young and i think that she was probably already been a model and whatever but like i think it comes a certain point where you're like oh pretty much nobody around us it's kind of like i guess equivalent in, in sports like when you're on like a, a minor league baseball team or even like a little league baseball team you're like oh we're clearly above the rest of these people not in terms of like class or status yeah but just like we're going we're better we're than the this we're going to have a successful career to some extent yep. everybody else around is so like if they would might bond over that too plus handsome plus you know they're flirty in the movie plus at the end of the movie and I don't want to get to that, but there's a whole strip tease which we'll get to they, I would see them bonding over a whole bunch of different factors in this movie I think so too but I, I really think that they have actual chemistry here I don't know what it was but the same chemistry that we see from Brian and Roman in the Fast and the Furious movies 
we see with Paul Walker and Denise Richards here. Like, they were having fun together. I don't know if they were just friends. I don't know if they had a romantic attraction to each other. But they are getting along really well. Because they're, like, just giddy when they're on the screen together. Like, any time that they deliver lines together, it's like they're having actual fun. And it's really cool. And now that we've seen that from multiple different people outside of the realm of The Fast and the Furious, in a role where he's a little bit younger, it's a little bit more fun... Mm -hmm. It leads me to believe that he probably was a really fun guy on set to be with. And you would just have fun if you were with him. Like, and that's reassuring. We always have to, like, you know, talk about, like, The Rock and Vin Diesel and Jason Statham and their, like, egos and stuff like that. Paul Walker, at least when he was young, and from what we hear about from Fast and the Furious 2, Too Fast, Too Furious, you know, that he was having fun at these times and people just enjoyed him as a a real human, you know? And that's cool. Going all the way back to one of our very first episodes of the I Am Paul Walker documentary, I think if anything was clear from that documentary is that he wanted to always be experiencing new things and having fun and not locked into anything Mm -hmm. and whether or not he sort of betrayed that in a sense by like having one character kind of define his career, which obviously we love. It felt like he never wanted to be boxed and he always wanted to be doing new things, trying new things, meeting new people, going new places. And I feel like that's maybe why, because it's like a, I'm here for two weeks, I'm here for three weeks, a month, whatever we're doing. This mm-hmm. is the movie. I get to work with this cute young girl. You know, there's a weird dinosaur thing. I'm only in the movie for half an hour. Like, it's it seems like a kind of in a, in a way like a dream scenario. This is my first movie. I want to be an actor. Like, it's a great, great situation to be in. Yeah, it is. It would be awesome. Like, as much as this isn't really a break, like your breakthrough role, it kind of is. Like, isn't? I have to imagine Denise Richards is kind of famous by now, right? How old is she in this, by the way? This movie came out in 94, so she's 22, 23 when this is filmed. No, I always felt like she's so much older than us, right? Like, I think it was just the age difference at the time. Well, she's she born in 71, famous. so she's, she is significantly older than us. Yeah, that's true. So she was started in, uh, in the 90s. She appeared in several films and TV shows like Loaded Weapon 1. Tammy and the T-Rex, looking Italian. So this is one of her very first movies. I assume she was kind of, like, established by then. She is the star in this, and Paul Walker was, like, a very new actor. I didn't know that they both are kind of fresh. I don't think you get someone, like, this is not the kind of movie that, like, you get a star for. This is the kind of the movie that we've seen no, I know. a bunch of times where it's, like, they, they remarket it after the fact to be like, oh, look at our look at our stars. Like, it's, it's like, look at this Denise Richards, Paul Walker movie, but this is by no means... There's so many of these kind of movies, and this is actually something to talk about a lot on High School Slumber Party and on Third Time to Charm, specifically Mike educating Brian about it, because Brian is sort of, like, a horror novice, and, like, he's learning, and Mike yeah. and I are trying to teach him, but, like, Roger Corman is this director who did Death Race 2000, which either I'm going to, I'm thinking about picking for next lap, or it's going to be a Patreon pick, but like, it's this crazy movie. Like, he did all these wild, grindhousey, low-budget, micro-budget things, but he would give so many people, so many people a start, like, Ron Howard got a start in a Roger Corman movie. Like, all these actors, all these directors that became the next wave of huge people, he just literally needed bodies on cameras, doing editing, doing lighting, doing whatever. And so all these people that became the next wave of Hollywood stars and celebrities began on his things because he was doing five or whatever, ten movies a year, like just making shit, making shit, making shit. After the fact, you'd be like, oh, do you know that Ron Howard was blah, blah, blah on this movie? It's like, well, I now I know. Yeah, but, but back I did then, it. it just he's just a kid who like wants to get a start. And so yeah. this is the kind of movie in that vein where it's like, even though it's you know, maybe 20 years after that, but, like, we're just making a movie with no budget. Let's just get young, good-looking kids who want to be actors. Even if they're not good, it doesn't matter because this is the movie where a guy's brain is transplanted into a dinosaur who gives a shit who the people are as long as they're good-looking. I assume that, like, Denise Richards at this point, like, she was, like, established as, like, 
a B actress or like a child star and this was like kind of like her first movie like I would assume she would have had like a TV show where she no, was like it seems like so after she graduated she's high really school fresh. she did a little bit of modeling in Paris New York and Tokyo and did some commercials but then this was basically her second movie so maybe she was a big commercial star and I know her as that I didn't think she was as green as her resume says at this point like was she like the cover like was she like Maybelline like cover girl or something like that She's in uh, some standalone TV episodes in like 92, 90, 91, 92, 93, but they're not recurring. Like, she's not in the second yeah, episode of a show a until 93, role. and then she's not in another one until 96, when she's in Melrose Place for three episodes. Oh, and that's still not a lot. Three no. episodes isn't like, that's her, like Her first that's TV not... series, it looks like, is in 2005, Sex, Love, and Secrets, which is way after the fact. A couple years after this, she would be in Starship Troopers, which Brian's covered over on High School Slumber Party as well. But then Wild Things, Drop Dead Gorgeous, and The World Is Not Enough. Yeah, so like Wild the, the late 90s, there's like a three or four year stretch where like that's where she's the most beautiful, most sought after, you know, mm-hmm. most famous woman in the world. After that, there's not a lot. But basically from 97 to 99, it's like her, that's her years. Yeah, I was very skewed about this, so. Because it seems cool. like she would be the kind of person who just sort of been famous forever, that she was a model and whatever, but it seems right? like she yeah. just, this is just how she kind of broke in. Like, she was just doing little parts here and there, and then this is, you know, one of her first, maybe her first leading role? I don't know. The minute we just talked about, I spent so much time taking notes on Mia's bedroom. Mm-hmm. If we were doing a minute of this, I would want to spend all of the time in the world talking about Tammy's bedroom. Brian's. She, well, Brian's too, but she is in... What feels like a wildly... I know her parents are rich. Like, I get that. Because, like, at one point... Because she has, like, a loft. She has, like, her own, essentially, apartment in this house. At one point, when uh, Paul Walker sneaks over there and, like, something knocks over, her dad calls her yes. on her landline from a different landline downstairs and is just like, Honey, are you okay up there? She's like, Yeah, something just fell, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I was like, This is intense because it's, like, two different phone numbers in the same yes. household. He has to call her. Like, he doesn't even, like, yell up the stairs. I was like, Whoa. I understand that they have money, but she is calling from like the most ornate bedroom with like this mm-hmm. antique telephone i was like what is going on here and then we go to brian's bedroom and he it's just like shit is everywhere mattress on the floor he's got i like him rifling through his drawer this is another, another very brian moment to find his one <laughs> condom to bring that he's been like saving yeah he looks like he's like so proud that he has this one condom and i also like that as he's talking to her he's like thumbing a I think it's a cross necklace or just a necklace, maybe. That he gives, it's a bracelet. It's the bracelet that he gives her. But he's, it's, I think it's, okay, maybe it's that. But like, I was just thinking about, you know, Dom's cross necklace. Oh, it's like, this is yeah. so very, like, he's already pining for, lusting for uh, a gaudy jewelried man. Yeah. <laughs> he wants a really strong necklaced man. Yeah. So he's just going to give Denise Richards this, uh, yeah. this bracelet instead. Exactly. I think that's basically all my notes from the beginning part. Is there anything else about the opening before the brain swap procedure that you want to talk about? I like the lion attack. That's a good way to do it. I didn't expect him to stay alive from it. The Rocky and Bullwinkle charm of the doctor and his assistant, the nurse, inside the hospital when they kind of like knock them both out was really fun for me. I really enjoyed this scene more than I thought that I would like the drunk uncle them being bumbly but also being like the doctor and the you know the assistant that's about we we covered a lot of the good stuff of the first half because they definitely do those two characters I like that I'm glad that you pointed them out because they definitely do have more life to them both I don't know if it's the actors bringing the life to them and just like like we're gonna have a good time with this or if it's just the kind of characters that they are 
that it feels like everyone around, like everyone in high school, Denise Richards and Paul Walker included, aside from Byron, like they don't really have much in the way of characteristics. It's just like, oh, they're kids, mean they're grunge just high kids. school kids, handsome yeah. jock kid, handsome beautiful girl. It's just like that's what you are. But these people are just like we're just weird and we're going to just say weird things and do weird things and overact. And it was cool to see. And I'm glad that when they when, when they go back to the lab, I like that we get more time with them because I think that it's just they bring an energy to the movie that a lot of the other characters, I just think based on, you know, a lot of the other actors, just based on like the lack of characteristics, can't really bring. I do like the animation of them. And in the same sense, the extension, that whole crew, including the guy running the computer, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character. Yeah, like the bodyguard guess, guy. Right? They're like a nice animated extension. Like they, they're overacting, but it fits the movie. Right, sure, like yeah. they're overacting. Everything's too exaggerated, but it's also so much fun that I was like, "Oh, I really enjoyed this." So they bring Paul Walker back. They bring Brian back to the lab. Yeah, they, they steal saw, his body. They saw his brain open while he's, I guess, still alive. Like they kind of knock him out. Like he's not dead, dead, but they yes. saw the top of his skull off. And the doctor is poking things like, "Look, I control the I control the foot." And then he he's like, "This is my favorite." Then he pokes part of the brain, and Brian gets a raging hard on, and he's able to kind of control. And I'm like, well, I guess like that's that's a funny weird thing, but I was like, well, "Who is this for?" I guess it's just I like for high know. schoolers, like who are probably either drinking or smoking on like a Friday night, and just like, "What is this movie?" But it feels like a very big swing and an aggressive swing, and I wonder if that was in the PG-13 version. Not that you see anything, but like. It's a very suggestive scene in an otherwise kind of tame movie without anything like that until the very, very end. This movie isn't sexualized as much as it could be, because, like, we see Brian grab the condom and come over to Denise Richards' house, and then you get the boner joke. I was expecting this to be more smutty. Yeah, the extent of it for most of it is the the woman, the female, I don't know if it's if she's another doctor, the nurse, or the assistant, or whatever. The nurse. The but nurse she's, assistant, yeah. She's in kind of, like, revealing outfits, but there's no nudity in this entire movie, which is kind of a hallmark I was expecting. of this I, type of yeah, movie. Yeah, I thought so, too. I really thought we were going to get some nudity in the scene that we were just talking about, where they come and steal the body. They have this sexual tension between the doctor and the the assistant, but they don't play on it, man. They keep it PG-13 for us, and it's very interesting. It would almost be less remarkable in a weird way if there was more nudity, if there was more... I mean, there is a fair amount of violence, but, like, I feel like this weird middle ground, the needle that they thread is like, oh... Huh, all right. It's very much a PG-13 movie, like when you're 12 to 14-year-old and you get dropped off at the movie theater type feel. This is edgy, but really it's not. Like your first foyer, like endeavors into films you're allowed to see by yourself. Like, I always remember movies like this. Any of the dance ones, right? Bring it on. Yeah. There's love in it, but it's it's not. It's just like they make out ones or something <laughs> weird. Yes. So they transfer the brain in. We see the boner joke. The dinosaur has this like weird in-between characteristics where it's like it's it, it is now Paul Walker, right? Because Paul Walker's controlling the dinosaur, as we're led to believe from the plot of the movie. So like the dinosaur like uses a payphone sometimes, or will like wave at people and like use its hands, but then it'll also just like eat someone. Yes. What they're doing is they re- they're revealing the dinosaur to the characters. They're letting them know that this is now Paul Walker. The characters have to resolve this somehow. Like, that's the whole 20, 30, 40 minutes of that part of the movie. Just eventually get to a part where, like, he has to show Denise Richards it is him. And he does this whole thing where, like, what is this game that you guys... Like, charades. charades. So he's, like, doing charades with Denise Richards to show that he gave her this bracelet. It's him. He's inside the dinosaur. 
And her reaction is strange to me. And she's just like, well, I love this dinosaur then. It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. And she's like totally okay with him. And she wants to run away with him. They then spend a great crazy scene of them trying to find a body for him. At the morgue. They try to put him in a girl's body. They're like showing him all the bodies. And he's just like, nah, I'm good. Shit breaks bad. And they run away without a body, right? Isn't that what happens? So the other wrinkle here is that Byron's dad is the town sheriff. And so he's hot on their trail because Paul Walker, as the dinosaur, is literally going around killing his enemies and like biting them and eating them yeah. and whatever. And so these sheriffs and the cops and whoever, and I think to this to a certain extent the goons are trying to catch up to him, say stop, stop him dinosaur. and start carnage. And so as they're doing this, I don't remember if exactly if it's that, but like it feels like every time that there's some kind of like progression in the plot, the sheriff shows up just like, you guys gotta stop, you gotta get out of here, you know, freeze, whatever, and then they just run away. Yes. Denise Richards is kidnapped and then Denise Richards shows up. It's just like, oh well like, you know, everything kind of resolves itself because there's no actual no scene really like I feel like this is the kind of movie where you could <laughs> remove any one scene and it wouldn't change a single thing. You'd just be like, No, oh yeah, the rest of the movie exactly. makes ex- exactly the same lack of sense that it did with this scene. Yep. You could slowly start peeling away a lot of this movie, yeah, and it would totally make sense. They eventually get together, because they tried to steal his own body back for him, but when they got to the funeral that they, like, sit through to try to get the body back, we find the body that has all the the chaos in it they try to find him a new body they're like hiding out in like a farm i guess right like in a barn denise richards is like taking care of the dinosaur i'm wondering how she was feeding him is this kind of like a vampire thing where like she lets him go hunt at night or something i feel like he's just he's just eating people like i think he's just sustaining based That's what on i that. think but like we're led to believe that they've kind of like been on the run for like more than a day byron brings her some snacks he's just like totally fine and doesn't eat her so I'm assuming he's eating somewhere. Maybe it's like like snakes. Like he just had to eat like one. But I have to imagine that like a T-Rex's appetite was like massive. But he's not. He's not a huge T-Rex. He's like a medium, or he's like a baby T-Rex. You're right. Yeah, you're right. He's like human. He's a little bit more than human-sized T-Rex. They said it was like 12 feet or so. Well, well, how big was Sue? We just had this thing. I feel like Sue's huge. Sue was the like the largest one that we found. And Sue is, like, 40 feet long, 13 feet tall. And in the movie, they said that, like, the thing, the bite mark is, like, 12 feet tall. That's a pretty big T-Rex, by T-Rex standards, then. Yeah. When Paul Walker, when when Brian, whoever, what is, that, what is his character's name in this movie? Do we know? Michael. Michael. I'm just calling him Paul, or, or Paul or Brian. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's Michael. That's another just random white guy name. When Michael, when they have Michael's funeral, I just kept thinking, just promise me, Brian no more funerals. I was thinking the exact same thing. If they would have had to steal Han's body afterwards, that would have been pretty weird. When they're looking for a body, chew my rope? Do you remember this? I wrote down this no, both I an don't. order and a blowjob euphemism, and I don't know why. I don't remember the context, but chew my rope? Maybe they say it as like a slam or like a diss? I don't know. Like, oh, chew my rope. And then right I after don't... that I have written down when Byron is driving, I think fleeing from the sheriff maybe, and this is I think when they're chasing after the dinosaur, he says to Denise Richards, hang on to your boobs, girl. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And she, like, cups herself. Grabs him. Yeah. I was she, like, like, honks herself. Because okay. did you catch earlier in the movie, the doctor just honks the assistant? Like, he's like, oh, let me check those. And goes, like, honk, honk, and just, like, honks her. But, yeah, he does say, grab your boobs. Like, hold on to your boobs, girl. And Denise Richards does it. Like, physically does yeah. it. Like, not even, like, as a euphemism. She's like, okay. And holds him. Essentially, we get to a point of the movie where it just kind of resolves itself, and we get to the end. And I think that's, like, the next 
that's like the final part of this, right? So we see like a shootout. The movie just kind of like stops. Denise Richards being happy and her dad's there and they're like, we don't know how we feel about this. And she's like, oh, it's great. And then like she runs upstairs and we see that Brian's brain is well, just in a salad that, bowl. We what? hear his Go voice ahead. and she's talking to a video camera. And I was like, does he live in a computer? Yes, that's what I thought. I thought I was like, this is the perfect solution for this. It's kind of Ferris bueller <laughs> His brain is in the salad bowl. And it's just connected to the in like computer. a bowl, like a, a low bath of water, essentially. And she pours him a drink, which looks kind of like bourbon, right? I was not really paying attention to the drink as much as like everything else about the scene. But this is this is what I got first. She pours him a drink as if it's like a, like an alcoholic beverage, and it looks like you know a bourbon, like a neat bourbon drink. But he's he's in high school. There's a lot of them drinking for them being in high school. But uh, never mind. So he pours the drink. She pours the drink on the thing, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that feels good." And like just dumps it straight onto his brain. How do they even get to the sexualization of this? I don't know if he asked for it or she just does it and then she does a strip tease for him. And then his brain comes sparks. Yes. His brain shoots sparks out of it as she throws socks at the video camera. And Brian plays super horny. Hornier than he's ever played before. And he's like, oh, you gotta get me a body. <laughs> Come sparks and the movie's over. It's Tanny. literally the last part of the movie. It's her doing a strip tease it. for him. Him ejaculating sparks and then movie ends it's like what what and then in post credits tanny again oh i didn't see post credits no i mean no no i mean just like credits oh credits okay yeah 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 yeah. post credits tanny again and that's it that's that's the whole film yeah and i was like whoa that was an experience that i'm glad that i lived through i don't want to say that i was disappointed by this movie because i wasn't disappointed but i think that there had been such hype around this because i feel like a lot of vinegar syndrome movies are things you've never heard of like things that like they just find they're just treasures from wherever right and this had a little bit of a history i had heard about it i think was probably known because of paul walker because of niece richards because brian covered on his podcast last year like Mm -hmm. i knew about it and i feel like there was hype in my mind built up around it and it wasn't disappointing but it wasn't like wow i'm so glad i saw that like i'm glad that i saw that i'm glad that i own it i will watch it again i think It'll be fun to watch with people. I was hoping for magic, and I don't feel like it ever reached... Like, it's a crazy bonker story. Like, I'm not saying that it's not. Yeah. But I feel like in the scope of these kind of movies, it doesn't reach a point where it's, like, all-time good-bad movie, whatever. You know what I mean? I think I think it's up there for good-bad movies. I, I think you're right. It doesn't. It will never be The Room. It will never be, like, this level of... Right. ...of culty... Or, like, when following. I show you Sleepaway Camp, right? Like, it's not the same kind of thing, Sleepaway but, like, Camp is great. Yes. yes. I agree. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever hit that level, but uh, I liked where it fell for me. I don't think I was disappointed by it because I, I had no notions going into it, right? Like, I didn't know what the movie was about. I've never seen it before. I've never heard about it before this. So it was just, like, a fun-time movie for me. It's a good, bad movie, but it's not, like, all-time great. I'm not like, everybody needs to go out and watch this immediately, right? If you encounter it, if you run across it, it's worth it, because it's a, it's a short movie. It's like 88 it's minutes short, without yeah. the credits. It's fun. It's, like, it's not bad. It's just, it's not, a, it's not a really well-made movie, but it's beautiful to look at now. And it's got Paul Walker in it for a little bit, at least. Like, I think the people who listen to this will enjoy it, but it's not for one sure. that, like, you need to go out and spend, like, I did 40 bucks on the 4K or whatever. And this isn't a movie that I would, like, force my friends to sit down and watch, like, The Room. Like, I'm like, if you've never experienced this, you gotta see it. This is, like, if you like those kind of movies, 
this will be a fun one to introduce them to. And if you are a fan of Paul Walker and you do like this kind of stuff, it's definitely enjoyable. Yeah. Well, speaking of enjoyable movies, Joe, we, I don't think we teased this in the beginning at all, but the next what? pit stop we're doing in two weeks after we have Kara and what is it? mystery shooter Brian Rodriguez on Hobbs and Shaw, okay. we're going to talk about your favorite Paul Walker movie, a movie called The Skulls. Oh, I totally forgot until you just said it. And that makes perfect sense. Yes, we are. So that's coming in two weeks. You still haven't seen it, right? Is that what you said? Correct. You've yeah, never no, I've seen never it? seen it. So awesome. Okay, cool. Am I going to like it? It has this the 90s kind of vibe, the early 2000s vibe, like Cruel Intentions. Okay. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of one of these movies that's, like, made for teenagers, maybe. This one's more of a thriller. I think that you'll like it. I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think you'll say, like, that was great. or You won't hate it, and I don't think you'll love it either. Gotcha. Okay, so, that's fair enough. I think it'll be kind of like this vibe. So, yeah, so in two weeks, we're doing The Skulls. Next week, of course, Hobbs and I'm Shaw. So for The Skulls, dude. And then we're going I'm to so glad. do our lap end stuff, including the tune-up, relap recap, and then You Are My Lifespan, and then we're going to kick off lap oh. six in a very exciting way at the end of February. So we've got about a month left in this lap. So we are running out of time on the driving school slash Brian O'Connor lap, but it's been a good lap so far, I think. For the first full lap that we've done, I think, in terms of like, you know, every, like a weekly show, whatever, instead of just Mm -hmm. having bonus episodes, we got things off to a good start. And I think Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex, it's a big part. I agree. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. And dude, I'm so stoked for the Skulls. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, I do also want to say that this Friday... Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party is going to also be covering this movie again, the new gore cut. So if you want even more Tammy, go check that out. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. Get voting rights for next lap. Kick us a couple bucks, whatever you want to do. Come back next week to officially, in a way, close out lap five with Hobbs and Shaw. And then come back in two weeks. Actually, let me take a look real quick. Do we know, is The Skulls streaming anywhere for free? Is Okay, so if you have Cinemax, which I do, and I feel like no one else does, uh, it's on Max Go, apparently. Two or three bucks just about, or three or four bucks just That's about everywhere. But yeah, Max Go and then Cinemax This is on a Amazon. deals all day. This is a deals all day type of movie. Yes, this is a, uh, oh yeah, it's 99 cents with like a, in like a tattered, beat up DVD case. I'm sure that you could buy it brand new at Walmart for four bucks. Probably. Like in a DVD, yeah. If you look on Amazon right now, the Skulls DVD, you can get it for $8 or used and new from a dollar fi- or from 79 cents. I told you, yeah. Or you can it buy like- the first three Skulls movie, the Skulls trilogy, used and new from a dollar 52. So if you want three of them, oh, oh boy, very exciting. Yeah. Oh, Leslie Bibbs in this movie. Okay, cool. Very cool. I think you're going to like it. Like I don't think that you're you're going to be like you're going to be like, "Oh, that was pretty decent actually." Okay. Good. Important. But just go to cageclub.me slash too fast, too forever, or whatever. Just poke around, say hi, family at cageclub.me. Come back next week for Hobbs and Shaw. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next week right here on Too Fast, Too Forever.